study of the spirit, soul, and body. And uh, let's see here. This week we're going to uh, we're we're in the process of uh, trying to save our souls. A while back, um, I talked about uh, two ways that Satan influences you. Does anyone remember those? Taking over your... Yeah. Okay. Directly and indirectly. Um, indirect by planting a seed, and then that is that seed can be is corruptible seed, and it just kind of you kind of go with it. Or direct influence is where a demonic influence uh, takes over your soul, and you allow that demonic spirit or that yeah the demonic spirit to possess you um, the direct is dealt with by using your authority in the name of Jesus to resist the demonic spirit the direct is dealt with by using your authority in Jesus name not your authority but the authority of Jesus to resist the demonic spirit. When this occurs in yourself? Yeah, no, in yourself also. Because the, in order to, um, to get a demonic spirit out, you've got to be in, in agreement with that for it, to, for it to leave you. You can... Um, uh, outside influences uh, can bind that spirit, um, but I, my, uh, what I've seen is it's for it to actually come out of you. Got to be out of agreement with it and in agreement with the Word of God. That man, this thing doesn't belong here. I don't want it anymore. And uh, an example of that would be like uh, one time we had a, an individual that wanted to stop smoking um, but there's a bigger problem than just smoking it's the there's this thing called nicotine and what it does to your body and uh, so he can he can you can stop you can want to stop smoking all all it is but you might like the effect of nicotine and <laughs> what it does to you and uh so we started praying for this person, and someone that I won't mention came against the spirit of nicotine, and that was the wrong thing to do at that time <laughs> because the individual was not in agreement with that. And so there was a lot of ranting and raving going on at that point. So, um, but that's why we, uh, 
we study the scriptures, we know the Word of God, and then when things like that come up and we we are uh, open, our, we see that there is a demon, something demonic within us, once we come out of agreement with that, and, and in the name of Jesus, can... Uh, can resist that demonic influence. And sometimes, a lot of times, it takes more than one or two to to pray. And that's about all I want to say on that part. And on the indirect influence, there's other classes you can take, by the way, that deal with that more directly. Um, indirect influence is, is wrong teaching uh, un- and unbelief that has been sown in your thinking. Um, it is dealt with by knowing the Word of God and the power of the Word, and, and that's what forces the corruptible seed out and exchange it with the incorruptible seed. So it's, you know the Word of God, you're learning the Word of God, and the power of the word, and the and the force that forces the corruptible seed out, and exchanges it with the incorruptible seed. Those thoughts have to be taken out of the mind, and it's uh, it can be devastating at times. I mean. This is affecting your entire belief system sometimes um, because this is you received a, a word that was corruptible seed, yet you didn't have a clue that it was and and so you you think on it and you it becomes a belief process and and you think that's the way it is, and then all of a sudden when the uncorruptible incorruptible seed brings forth this revelation it it's mind-boggling isn't it it just whoa um, these thoughts have been accepted that have been accepted can be very difficult to cast out because they've become a part of your will you believe them to be true and when the word of god reveals to you that they are not the soul will resist if allowed You'll resist it, and you feel under attack. Only the Word of God, the engrafted Word, can save your soul. Um, We saw that in James chapter 1, I believe. Probably looked at it several times. Where he says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted or engrafted, which is able to save your souls. That's, that's the only thing that can save our souls. It's the engrafted word. Saving meaning, remember. Not salvation, eternal salvation, but speaking about salvation for right now.
saving your soul right now against the turmoils of ourselves <laughs> and all that that means. Lack of peace and lack of belief and just all that. Unsettledness of your soul. Now let's look at, uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 13. And while you're doing that, the main purpose of that was just to show us that, that this in, these influences can be dealt with. Um, they, we don't have to live with a, uh, these influences of Satan. By the power of God, by His Word, we can resist the demonic spirit and we can also renew our mind, which we'll be talking about tonight, against these, this corruptible seed that gets sown in us, in our minds. Matthew chapter 13. It's an interesting passage. Verse uh, 23. This is talking about, this is where Jesus is telling the parable of the sower. But in verse 23 says, And the one on whom good seed, on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. And then over in uh, Mark chapter 4, we'll look at verse, begin at verse 26. Mark 4, verse 26. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And goes to bed at night and gets up by day. And the seed sprouts. The seed sprouts up and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. And I'll stop there. We see here that uh, how we could compare this to the Word of God and the way the Word of God works in us. Um, the first thing and how it deals with us. So think about this, how, it deal, how the Word of God deals with us. Um, it's, it's like progressive. Um, and uh, the first thing that happens when the Word comes to you is by revelation. It comes to you by revelation and it reveals the truth. And, uh, but yet it just, it reveals the truth to you. And what's the effect? Well, basically it's kind of like how it affects you, isn't it? I mean, it's glorious. It's wonderful. But it's like the initial stages of being a baby. Wow, look what God's done for me. (laughs) 
And uh, and yet there's there's fruit that results from that, isn't there? In the early stages of of coming to the Lord, there's there's fruit that comes forth. But there's a lot of me-centeredness still, isn't there? A lot of I and what God does for us. It, and then the more you attend to the Word, the quicker it takes you to, uh, like, transfiguration. You're being transformed. The Word revealed begins the work of transforming you. So, becomes a... And so, like in this example here, first the blade and then the head... So there's, there's fruit in the blade, there's fruit in the head, but it's not mature yet. It's not really to the final degree of what it was, it was meant for. But there's growth there, and it's, being a, it's progression. And so, as you're in the Word and you're seeing the Lord, you're being transformed or transfigured. This transforming deals with your attitudes and your thinking. Um, your personality and your behavior. See, God doesn't. God doesn't want to uh, make you a robot, just like all other so-called good Christians. He wants your personality to be transformed into His image, but it's still you, your personality. Um, it affects and changes your life. And so, all of a sudden, you, you've you've kind of you've gone from a brand new baby Christian that's all excited about the Lord and what He's done for you and what He's doing for you, and but you're in the Word, and all of a sudden, it 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 you've grow, you grow from that me-centeredness, and all of a sudden, there's more Christ coming forth, but not quite mature yet, not quite. So you continue in this, you continue in the Word, and there comes manifestation. And just as in the, uh, first the blade, then the head, and then the, he calls it the mature grain in the head. What it was meant to be. It no longer is revelation, but it becomes a lifestyle. Can you see that happening in your lives, even now? We're walking with the Lord. It's your lifestyle now. It's not. There's no options. It's the way of life. It's not. It, be, it becomes not a uh, hard task. You are in the Word, and the Word is in you. And so, like in that passage in Matthew, what is? Um, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, um, and then finally, I think it said 120 or something like that. But uh, but it's a progression. The dealings of the Word of God are progressive. And with the saving of the soul, it's the same thing. Um, we've looked look at Romans 12. Romans 
Romans 12, we'll look at verses 1 and 2. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. There's a lot in that passage, isn't there? And we're going to be dealing with a lot of it. But right here, I want us to take a note of the last part of of verse 2. Look at the order here. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is a uh, this is like a this is a progression. What is you may prove what the will of God is, the will of God, that which is good. There are there are good things in the will of God and there are acceptable things in the word of God. But then there's that which is perfect. The perfect will of God. It's not doesn't go the other way. It's not the perfect, acceptable, and good. So it's, it kind of goes along with the progression. And and I believe in God's plan is that He allows us to be baby Christians for a while, but that is not that, and that's His good will. But there is a perfect will of the of the Father too that we know about that is to. Uh, to come into the perfect will and manifest His Son, the manifestation. That is the perfect will of God, is the manifestation of His Son. And so you're no longer doing your will, you're doing the will of the Father. And manifestation cannot take place without first going through revelation and transformation. You can't just jump from one to the mature level. You've got to go through the progression. Your soul's got to go through it. And your soul doesn't like it. doesn't like that metamorphosis. That's that transforming. In manifestation, the soul has become conformed. And no longer has its own opinions, views, and ideas. They've all been put away. You, you've gotten to a place where you have, you've considered all that dead and put away. You accept that. You're coming, coming into maturity and your body is under control. That's pretty big, isn't it? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if we could silence the cries of our body? Just command it to heed to the Word of God. Mind, will, and emotions have been dealt with, and the spirit man is in ascendancy over them instead of the other way around. And so now 
God can entrust His power through you. Because he's not, He knows that you're not going to abuse it and, and use it for your own glory. But it's, um, and this may be a whole new way that you've ever seen it, but you knew that there was a growth process involved uh, in, in, in this Christianity and this Christ life. You knew that that the day you got born again, you weren't all of a sudden a mature Christian, I hope. I hope you knew that. I hope you become aware of that, that there's more. Um, and how often we, uh, we think we know so much until the Word of God is revealed to us. And Jesus shows Himself to us. And we say, oh my... <laughs> How little I really know, you know, of Him. So it is a it is a progression. And by the way, that was thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. I see it now. The blade, the ear, and the full corn of ear. The full corn or ear. Um, now turn over to Second Corinthians, chapter three. Second Corinthians three. We'll go deeper into this transformation, hopefully. Um, verse eighteen. Very popular verse here. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This is a um, continuation of looking at the progression here. In uh, Now, that was Second Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says, from glory to glory. So there's a, there is a progression even here. But this uh, this word, uh, someone want to read the uh, King James version of that in verse eighteen. Okay. Now the King James uses the word change, and this and the word also means transformed. And that the Greek word for that is metamorpho. Metamorpho. And uh, and it comes from two words. And and you don't have to remember all this, but it's just really interesting how all of this comes together. Um, the word metamorphosis, the first part of it, meta, um, is denotes accompaniment accompaniment by association. And then morpho means to fashion. It means to fashion. So 
you are who you are by association. Now think about that. By association, you are you are influenced by your associations, and you are formed by association. Um, I heard once on the oh I don't know it was some government study that uh, they talked about how the you know how the government always puts billions of dollars into these logical studies, and they came up with the conclusion that that. Um, children, uh, I think it was something like this, children uh, eat by association, so whatever their parents eat, the children eat. Hello? Uh, of course. But, but to take this back to this, that you're fashioned by association, it's important, and maybe your parents told you that who you hang out with is important. That if you hang out with the wrong crowd, you're, you're going to be doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. And, uh, and so the, you're fashioned by association. That's a metamorphose, a metamorphosis. It's, kind of, it's the same thing as with the butterfly in, in the case here we're talking about in the passage is our famous caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And um, the change is from a lower lifestyle to a higher lifestyle. This progression is soul and not spirit, remember, because we're, we're saved instantly in the spirit. But the soul is, is a progressive. And so as, as we see here, uh, we are being... We are being transformed. We are being changed into the same image from one glory to another. And that, that initial glory, uh, I mean, goodness, think about who you were and how you were prior to becoming a Christian. Some of you may not want to think about that. <laughs> but how you were changed and it was glorious wasn't it and it was glorious probably to those around you especially if they were christians now if it was people of the world they were probably not very happy uh but uh so that was that was an initial glory but then you go on from glory to glory as you're being transformed into that same image of christ uh it's glorious so so it's a transformation and it's a uh, it's a uh, progressive uh, change. All right. Um, transformation by association. That's why um, it's important to associate, if you will, with the Word of God. To be involved in the Word of God. To in a not a legalistic way, but in a real way. That you you go to the Word of God. And it's like that song. You see what He has for you. <laughs> and uh, but also to we we go to we come to services not 
not because we're a, a club or it's just the thing to do, but we associate one with another for the good of one another because the body needs each member. And, and so we need each other and the, and the Christ in you. I need the Christ in you. And you need the Christ in me. And so association, that association transforms us. Uh, is associating with one another and building one another up in the Holy Spirit. Not, not in religion. Amen? Not in religion. To be changed by association, uh, proper associations are important. All of our reasonings and logic and imaginations must be changed. Put on the mind of Christ. The um, a lot of a lot of people jump from one church to the, to the other, and they're looking for what can please their soul, and that's wrong thinking. They need, to, they need to go where God leads them, where they're, they can feed their spirit. And also the spirit in them can feed others. So all our reasonings and our logic and our imaginations must be changed. We need to put on the mind of Christ. Now, turn over. We'll, we'll be coming back to this passage. But I think that's all I wanted to cover on that right now. We are being transformed. Again, that's progression. We have not been totally transformed yet. We've got a ways to go, don't we? Praise the Lord. Um, turn over to Romans chapter 12. Again. We were just here. Be not conformed. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. There's that word again. Be metamorphosed um, by the renewing of your mind. Conform to this world. That comes from a word, Greek word called, if I can pronounce it right, sus ke mat, matizo, or the root of it is suke. It goes all the way back to suke. That's to conform to fashion self according to. Um, so what he's saying there, he's saying don't, don't associate with soulish aspects of this world. Don't identify with it. That's probably the hardest thing that we do or are not supposed to do is to associate with the soulish aspects of this world. And the reason for that is because it's so real, isn't it? It's so real. We deal with it constantly. You know, Jesus in early in Matthew talks about don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, 
Don't worry about those things. He clothes the, the lilies of the field. He clothes the birds. He feeds, has food for them. And he says, we're not supposed to worry about that. Worry is entirely a soulish thing, isn't it? It's in our minds. And, and so when we're, our souls are disrupted by worry, we're, we're conforming to the, to the soulish ideas of the, of the earth because everybody does it. You want to be different? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you won't be like everybody else. Um, but uh, don't associate and put, all, put on the things of humanity anymore. Well, that's kind of difficult because we are human. But we're, here we're, we're talking about living in the living from above. And so when we're living from above, it's, it's basically the same stuff. We're, we're not of the earth. We're just here for a period of time. But this is a different way of, of looking at it where, where we can say, okay, I'm not, my mentality, my logic, my reasoning, my will and intent, purpose or senses of humanity, I'm not to associate or look at it in the way that I've always done. I'm not to look at things the way the world does. Um, we uh, we need a renewed mind to live to live from above. When uh, you know, it's, it is interesting how we can be quick to say uh, we're going to go for God with all the gusto and walk out of service and we're back down to what we think is reality. I do it all the time, you know. Worrying about this, worrying about that, thinking about this. And uh, But if we truly are, are living from above, then uh, the, the things of the earth uh, are not to bother us because we have a Father and, and we're living... He lives in us and we live in Him. Um, God doesn't want to suppress your personality. It's not a... You're not a clone. You're not meant to be a clone by any means. He doesn't want to suppress that. God gave you the personality that you were supposed to have. He gave you the body that you're supposed to have. And He wants to live in and through you. In your, in through your body and in through your personality, he just doesn't want all the baggage that comes along with it. That that was put to death at the cross. All the baggage was. He wants variety. He's got to have a sense of humor <laughs> with the variety that he has that he's created us. He wants to allow his son to flow through your personality. He desires the areas of our soul that are contrary to him to be changed. So he can flow through that area of our, our personality.
So don't be conformed. Just think of that word conformed a little more. To fashion, um, conform to the same pattern. Um, conform to the same pattern. So do not be conformed to the same pattern of this world. That'd be one way of looking at it. But be be changed, and you're you're changed by the renewing of your mind. Now I want to look at uh, a few things here. Let's see how I can do this. Well, this is this wonderful. Piece. <laughs> I think I'm going to look at it. There we go. Without breaking the mic. I want us to look at this heart. No. That'd be Thursday. Um, let's look at this word confession. Just for a moment. Confession. What exactly is, where does confession come from? When we confess something. It's uh, the heart. It's, it comes from deep within, doesn't it? When we we confess something, um, we usually confession come is a product of one's belief, isn't it? Oh, I believe that, and therefore, because I believe, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, is God's Son. That comes from a belief, if it's a true confession. Um, So, it's a product of our belief system. You've come to believe, and therefore you confess. Well, how do you get to that place of belief? Of believing something. Well, that, that is like a product of your thinking, isn't it? Could be. Your thinking. To do what? Mm-hmm. It's, you've drawn a... Uh, do what? Experience. Experience and uh, a conclusion... But it's it's all with it. It all is with thinking. There's a lot that goes into thinking, isn't it? Because we think all the time, don't we? <laughs> Most of us, yes. Um, so, so thinking leads to a belief, and belief leads to confession. And so you're thinking. Where does this thinking come from? Well, it's usually taught, and which another term for that would be knowledge. You're you're taught from early age, aren't you? Uh, when you're, I mean, a baby acts naturally for a long time, but then there comes that stage where they're taught things: how to talk, how to how to walk, and different things. So. 
So the thinking is a product of, of knowledge. If you, if you lack knowledge, I mean, if you're, put in a, if you're put in a box somewhere and that's where you're kept, you be, basically become a vegetable because there's, there's no knowledge other than what's in, there's no imaginations, there's nothing. And, uh, and then so, so where does, where does knowledge come from? From what? Environment. That's a good term. It, uh, we could put source. Knowledge is a product of the source, possibly. Um, just thinking about these things. So who, we could say, who is the source? Well, it can be parents, can it? Parents can be the source of our knowledge. Teachers can be the source of our knowledge. In the uh, in our the ultimate source, though, would be: is it from God or is it from Satan? The ultimate source. Ultimate sources, that's to say. Because I mean, you can have you can have sources that are all good and things, but. When it comes down to it, is it of the Lord or is it not of the Lord? Well, if it is not of the Lord, then what is it? It's either good or evil, but it's still from the same tree. And I, this could be oversimplifying it, but but we want to we want to be walking in the Lord, don't we? And so and I'm going somewhere with this, but. But you look at the at the process here. It starts at a source, and you gain knowledge, and that knowledge gives you all kinds of thinking, thought processes, and then you develop beliefs, and then you you confess. Um, the strength of the thought process is sandwiched between belief and knowledge. The strength of the thought process is between belief and knowledge. And uh, drawing upon the, one of the sources of knowledge shapes my thinking. Is it of God or is it some other source? I mean, we can, um, the ultimate is what does God think? You know, he's the, he's the, the main, he's the only source, isn't he? And so, um, it doesn't matter how, how, how nice a person is or how polite a person is or, or wealthy or poor. What is the, who is the source of their, of their belief system? Who is the source of their motivation? It's either, it's either God or it's not. And if it's not, then is it important? 
as far from God's perspective. You know, and, and that may sound cruel, but I mean, God is God. He's looking for a son. And nothing else really matters to him. And so um, we see the, the, just with this little example here, we see some bases of how we derive our understandings, our thoughts, our belief systems, our confessions, and the influence that it can have. And we also see how the enemy uh, can get in there real easily. Um, Who do we listen to? And you can tell um, what source a person is coming from pretty quickly if you know the Word of God. Let's, Let's ponder on that a moment. You can pretty well know the source of where a person's coming from if, if you're familiar with the Word of God. Because God never goes against His Word. He never uh, alters from it. Um, I've got an example here. By His stripes we were healed. Well... That's what the Word of God says. Um, and so we can say we believe it or we don't believe it. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the Word of God. By His stripes we are healed. Um, another example, though, is um, you can be talking to someone who in your mind is a fine Christian. It's walking with the Lord, knows the Lord for years. But if you know the Word of God and you're in tune with the Lord, you can tell if that person's source is God or, or the enemy, a good Christian. Um, what, is, what is the spirit of what's coming forth? And what is coming out of the mouth? Um, we'll look at some examples of that as we go along also, but the Spirit of Christ is is peace. And He speaks peace. And He uh, he never altered from that. He got upset at, at the uh, Pharisees and the way they treated His temple. But before, for anybody else, He was meek and lowly and humble and peaceful and healed and, and brought brought his peace. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, let's look at an example. James chapter 3. James Look at verse, we'll start at verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? 
Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You, you, won't, you won't hear this in a lot of churches, probably. But, but this is a good thermometer. It really is. I mean, um, we, we, see the, we hear the spirit of this and the spirit of Christ in this, that, that if, if, you have, if you have bitter jealousy in your heart, then you're not of the Lord at that point in time. You can't be because that's not his nature. Uh, and so, but we mustn't get d- disillusioned and say, well, then there's no hope for me. No, because this, this course is about transforming us, putting on Christ, and, and that, it is, that it's very possible. Um, but, but the thermometer is that there are those that, that have selfish ambition, selfish ambition in their hearts. And, and so he says, and do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. And we've, we've looked at this, especially verse 15, uh, that natural is suki, sukikos, which is, is uh, spiritual. Um, I mean, well, I can't remember that word. Let me see if I wrote it down here. Yeah, sensual, it's, it's from sukikos, the soulish. And so where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder in every evil thing. Have you been around a person like that before? And you can tell that it's not Christ real quick. Um, and and often the, the, their soul uh, is saying, well, I'm of God. This is what God has showed me. And and this is why it's so important for us to to know the Word of God and know the Spirit of Christ, because even a you can you can come under something like that, and and be bought into it. Say, well, maybe it is of God. But no, if you look at the passage here, it's very clear what is of God and what is not of God. Um, the wisdom from a God, from above is first pure. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. For they shall see God. That's not what this says, but that's another place, isn't it? Um, it's first pure, then peaceable, and it's gentle, and it's reasonable, and it's full of mercy. That's the spirit of Jesus. That's the spirit of the Lamb. And so we, we looked at these uh, up here on the board of how 
how it can uh, train us, if you will. And we look at the source. And if you know the source as Christ, if he is your head, then you will know and be able to uh, uh, sense what is of God and what is not of God. And be able to, in a a peaceable, pure way, full of mercy, uh, bring forth the Lamb. Um, Association, again, I, I talked about that. But association is so important. I've I've seen cases where people having marital problems, uh, who do they go to? They go to other people for counsel that are having marital problems. Association is so important. No, the best thing to do if you want to get your marriage back together is to go to people who have a good marriage and are full of Christ. And um, that won't lead you astray. Um, If you're, and and it's just so important that the association is. Now let's turn back again to Matthew 17. If um, if you're having, if you have problems with someone in the church that you can't get along with. You don't go to somebody else that's having the same problem with that person because what happens is association starts eating on you and you start associating. Instead of saying, I need to get over this, I need to put on Christ, the other person, the two of you together, make it worse. Um, But this happens all the time. Okay, uh, Matthew 17, verse 1. And six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and brought them into a high mountain by themselves. He brought them up. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And Jesus wants us to go higher, doesn't he? He really does. He wants to he wants to take us up to the high mountain. And he was transfigured. This word transfigured is the same as the word we looked at change. It's it's metamorpho. Association. Uh, being changed by association. He took him up, and there he was transfigured. Um, he was changed. And his appearance, this is what the Amplified says in verse of verse 2, and his appearance underwent a change in their presence, and his face shone clear and bright like the sun, and his clothing became white as light. Think about that. Because that's really what uh, transfigured means you're changed in your appearance you're you're changed well in your appearance to others you're changed and in Christ we truly are changed from glory to glory and others will see it others will notice that will notice the change
we see here um, the the work done in us will cause a change that emanates the glory of God Himself. And people will notice it. It's a promise of God, isn't it? That's that's our purpose. Is that the world might know that God sent His Son. That God has done has done this truly. He went up to a high mountain by themselves. He took them away from the world and all the influences. And they just came to be with Jesus. Took away all the worldly, earthly influences. Took them to the high mountain. By themselves. And there he was changed. His appearance underwent a change in their presence. And his face shone clear and bright like the sun. And, and, and he put on, his garments appeared as white as light. Um, his presence in and through us will touch the lives of those around us. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, we've got a lot of, uh, we, this has been going on for ever since Jesus, you know, 2,000 years where the church has uh, transformed, conformed to the world. And uh, they have, uh, it's like a club, it's like a, a great meeting place, and uh, they, they, they are conforming to the world. Um, but his desire is that we be changed into his image. And, uh, and that will touch lives around us. The, the, uh, the world doesn't need uh, more clubs and more uh, meeting places and things like that because they've got that in their own little place that they live. They need to come where there's truly a, a deep, a true change where the light of Christ shines forth. All right, so now turn over to Second um, Corinthians chapter 10. Chapter 10 of Second Corinthians. start at verse 3. <clears throat> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. And I want to stop there. I want to look at this for a moment. At This is like, if you wanted to title this part, it's like pulling down strongholds. Because we have a lot of strongholds in us. Or we have had strongholds in us. 
And so we're going to look at this. Um, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Just be aware of that. They're not carnal. Um, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, the New American says. So we have weapons of warfare. And they're not, they're not carnal and they're not flesh and they're not to be taken lightly. The Lord has given us uh, abilities that are not carnal and are not, are not fleshly, um, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They're mighty. And King James says, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This uh, imagination can be reasoning, can be thoughts or result of thoughts. Imaginations come from thoughts, don't they? It can first be a little thought that comes into your mind. Just a little thought, just a little um, fox, right? Just a little thing, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, It can be put there by a bad teacher. It can be put there, it can just be a thought. We got thoughts going through our minds all the time. You got thoughts going through your minds right now that aren't anything about this class probably. It just happens all the time. When you go to pray, you have thoughts that go through your mind. And you say, why do these thoughts come in? (laughs) This constant bombardment of thoughts. But imaginations come from thoughts. Imaginations are taking that thought and, and kind of running with it. Super thoughts. Just taking it and chewing on that thought and running with it. Not all thoughts are bad, are they? They can be good thoughts. They can be of God. And they can be imaginations that are of God. But a lot of times they're not. (laughs) The thought process begins to formulate reasonings. So, you start formulating these reasonings. And according to this, we are to recapture our thoughts. Recapture our thoughts. And pull down these, our imaginations. Pull them down. And capture these thoughts before they form into imaginations. It's, it's kind of like, uh, it's, it could be like gossip. You know, somebody says something to you about somebody. You say, oh, really? 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 Is that right? Well, I didn't know that. That's terrible. <laughs> These little thoughts are coming in. And what happens is then you leave, they leave, and you're left with these thoughts that have been put into you that you've received. And then, imag- then uh, imaginations start. And these thoughts, hmm... Well, if they did that to them, what have they done behind my back? And what about this and what about that? 
And so we're to bring these thoughts into captivity instead of running with them and formulating imaginations. First off, uh, getting back to gossip, it's not even supposed to be happening, is it? God's really against that. But with us, he says, here, we're to take these thoughts and make them captive. And and you take it to the Lord. That's the best thing to do anyway. Um, you, you put it before the Lord and get his opinion on it. Um, but he says here, um, coming back to it, casting down imaginations, um, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, here's, here's this little thought. No, I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to bring it into captivity to the Lord. Um, we learn to bring thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ early so they don't move into reasonings and imaginations that develop into strongholds. And, you know, it could be as simple as, uh, well, so-and-so hasn't been healed yet, so God doesn't heal today. It could be simple, a simple thing as that. And you get one, well, look, so-and-so hasn't gotten healed yet. God's Word says he gets healed, but they haven't gotten healed yet. So I don't know if God really heals today. And And there's people that believe that, you know, that are ministers of the of the word of god say well god doesn't do miracles today god doesn't do this today that was all back then what you do is you bring these thoughts and bring them into captivity say no god's word says by his stripes i'm healed Um, he brings forth an increase of his son and uh, you bring it you bring it to the lord you don't let it get into uh, become imaginations and reasonings and then become strongholds where it's going to take an act of God to, I mean, a big act of God to break it out of you. An act of Congress, if you will. <laughs> um, so, coming back to this, I like the way that the the wording here that our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, they're not carnal. That we we have the the ability by Christ uh, to destroy these fortresses, and that's that's glorious, isn't it? That because of Christ in us, we can we can uh, pull down these strongholds. That is not something of the flesh. It is not wrong to do that. Um, and you know we can. Our soulish minds, our minds can think, man, this is, this is silly. I don't have the ability to do that. That's part of me. That's who I am. I don't have the ability to pull down these so-called strongholds. But they're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we cast down these imaginations. The word there is a continuation, isn't it? Casting down imaginations. It's not a one-time thing. If, you, if you're anything like me, it's a daily deal. 
<laughs> we got to cast this stuff down. Anything that ex- it says in every high thing. That's talking about like a high tower. Anything that that wants to be above God. Every high tower um, that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And that's, that's in us. That can be in us. And we're to be bringing that into cap, all that, casting it down and bringing it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. This, um, these imaginations, um, yeah, they're thoughts. And how do we do that? Well, here's a good way. Let's turn over to Jeremiah 23 for a moment. Way back in the Old Testament, good old Jeremiah. He had a good idea here. He had a plan. Um, not exactly a plan. He knew he knew the word. Verse 29. Jeremiah, let's see, 23, verse 29. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? His word is that. Like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. So we need to learn two things here to to pull down every form of reasoning that is contrary or exalts itself against God's Word and to bring into captivity every thought so that it does not keep on fabricating. And see, that, that, that's when we're alone, isn't it? That's not when we're gathered together in the great assembly worshiping the Lord. I mean, yes, we do. Things like that can happen, but it's, you know, the enemy, the enemy comes to us when we're alone. You know, that's when he knows, <laughs> that's when he knows he can hurt us the most, is bring forth these, uh, these railings and things and make us and, and want us to form thoughts and imaginations. So when we're alone, um, example, let's look at just a few examples. Maybe one time in your life you had a great pathetic, I mean, prophecy given to you about great things you would be doing for God. And it's just not happening that you can see. Okay? And so... I'm sure the thoughts, the enemies come to you and said, what happened to that? What's God doing? Is, it, is He bringing about His prophecy? Is He bringing about His Word to you? Are you doing the great things that He said you would be doing? And so, if you run with those thoughts, they become uh, imaginations. You start imagining things. Yeah, maybe God isn't going to use me like he wants, like he said he would. Maybe, maybe, maybe. It's all about me. And then it becomes a stronghold and you're, you're 
you're running with it, and the enemy's very happy about stuff like that. Yes, Jennifer. Yes. God's leading. Uh God's leading, you know. Well, God led me here. What's going on? Well, nothing. (laughs) I don't see anything happening. Did God tell you to come here or not to attend school? If he did, then be content with that and rest in him. Okay. good because, see, it comes back to what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, it may be the good will of God for you to, to be here for three years, but it may be the perfect will of God for you to know Him as a result. Carolyn. Yeah. Right. 
I had down here. There's no manifestation. <laughs> but see, if we're looking at him in the mirror, the promise is that we're being changed into that same image from glory to glory. It's his promise. It's not having us to, hey, all of a sudden I'm looking down at myself. No, I keep looking at his face. Yes. Yeah, that's that's right, because we take our eyes off of him and look at us again. <laughs> that's right. So I think we're going to stop there, and uh, next week we're going to dive directly in the renewing of our minds. So the renewing of our minds. No, you don't have to wait to prepare for that, so... You can renew your minds this week, yes. All right.